Welcome to the September 27th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 5, verses 16 through 29, and the sermon is entitled, Jesus Speaks About Himself, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We are going to continue on our sermon series. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. It's where we are, and we started there last week. We are on a journey through the great Gospel of John. If you have a notepad with you today, pull it out. You're going to need it today, as Pastor Jeffrey has already said. This book of the Bible, of course, was written by one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, this is the disciple John, who was the longest lived of all the disciples. Most of the disciples died as young men. Uh, John's brother James was the first disciple to die as a martyr. But John was given the privilege and the blessing of God to live through his 80s, maybe even on into his 90s, which was quite a feat for that day 2,000 years ago for a man to live into his 90s. But in all those decades that John lived, all the experiences that he had with Jesus percolated in his mind. And about 50 years after the cross, about 50 years after the resurrection, God inspired John to write the biography of his son, Jesus. Of course, these words are breathed by God, written down by the disciple John. But John wrote this down, and he defines the reason that he wrote his gospel. He wanted it to be a witnessing tool to lead the world to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And through this gospel over the centuries, millions have come to Jesus through the writing inspired of God through the disciple John. Now last week, we studied the beginning of chapter 5 as Jesus healed a lame man by a pool called Bethesda. It was a section of the city of Jerusalem. And if you remember the sermon for last week, uh, there was, this man had been crippled for 38 years. This pool supposedly had some healing qualities, and he had laid by that pool for 38 years, hoping that he would be healed. One particular day, however, he met an appointment with Jesus Christ, the great physician, the true healer, who came to him, and after a brief conversation with him, said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. This man had waited 38 years, hoping for healing, and in an instant... Jesus said, rise, and he did. It's amazing the great physician healed him so quickly. But what's so interesting about this passage is that the Jewish leaders knew about this well-known crippled man who had laid there for so many years, and they asked him when he's carrying his bed, who healed you? And he said, I don't know. I couldn't recognize him. So that tells us something very, very important. And that is that he was healed physically in his legs that he could walk again, but he was not healed in his heart. He was not healed spiritually. He never recognized Jesus as the great physician. He never recognized him as the great healer. So he was healed physically, but he was not healed spiritually. He was not healed forgiven of his sin. He was not given eternal life. He was simply healed physically. He never even recognized Jesus as the great physician. But that still happens today. There are people today who are given healing by God. They are in a hospital for days or weeks or months, and finally God restores their strengths and gives them healing. It's the same great physician that heals today who healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. The same one, amen? And yet so many walk away from a hospital or a sick bed, and they're restored to health, and they never worship Him. They never give their life to Him. It still happens today. I don't understand it. 
when I know that that healing comes from the Lord, I want to give Him the praise and the honor and the glory, but so many don't. It still happens this day, this age. In John chapter 5, the religious leaders of the Jews finally realize that it's Jesus who healed this man who had laid by the pool for 38 years. But rather than celebrate the fact that he had restored this man's legs, rather than celebrate the fact that he was the great physician and the healer, rather than come to him themselves as the Savior, these religious leaders of the Jews criticize Jesus. They pull out their law books and they say, Jesus, you are working on the Sabbath day. Just the fact that you accomplished a healing is work. And work is not allowed by the Jewish community on the Sabbath. You're a criminal. Rather than recognizing him as the great physician, they recognized him as a lawbreaker, as a criminal. Look at John chapter 5, verse 16. John 5, 16. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. What you see in John chapter 5, verse 16 is the beginning of the plot to kill Jesus the Christ. It's the beginning of the plan that ends at the cross, at the end of the Gospel of John. So you're seeing the beginnings of the hatred that develops against the Savior, Jesus. Now Jesus identifies himself to these religious leaders. So what we're going to look at today is a conversation between Jewish religious leaders and Jesus after this healing at the pool of Bethesda. I want to set that stage that you understand. This is a conversation between Jewish leaders and Jesus. This passage of Scripture that we're studying today is extremely important. And I say that I know every word of Scripture is important. But today's Scripture has an extreme measure of importance to it because this is Jesus' own personal statement about who He is. Jesus is addressing Himself as to who He is. This is called a Christological discourse. Jesus is telling the religious leaders of the Jews who He is. This is the primary statement of the Bible where Jesus says, I am God. Jesus states it Himself. Now we know that in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospel writers point to Jesus and say He's the Son of God. He is God. Paul, throughout his letters, points to Jesus and says, This is God. He's the great physician. But this is a personal statement from Jesus Christ Himself about Himself. And He says what He says, and we go through it, really does boil down to three words. I am God. You have to pick that up from this sermon today. So class, this is a primary lesson in theology today. And we're going to learn together. I want you to turn your Bible with me to John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 through 29. Hear these words. Follow along with me. Those streaming with us, I hope you have your Bible open in your lap. Say along with me as we go through these very important words as Jesus speaks about himself. Verse 17, John 5. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise." 
For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. He will, show, he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son... Honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. May God add his blessing to this very important part of his holy word. Now in this scripture, again a conversation. Jesus is facing his Jewish opponents. And his opening statement angers them. Look at chapter 5 verse 17 again. Jesus simply says, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. One word made the Jews mad. The word is my. My Father. The Jewish people always refer to God Almighty as our Father. When Jesus taught us to pray His prayer, it starts off, Our Father which art in heaven. And yet here, He says, My Father. And what He is saying is, The Father and I are one. I am absolutely tied to God the Father as God the Son, and we are one. I am God. So Jesus said, my Father, claiming to be equal with God, direct kinship. And the Jewish men's eyebrows raise and their eyes get wide because they heard him saying, I, myself, standing before you here, I am God. Now to them, that was utter blasphemy. They wanted to bring about a plan to actually kill him. Let's get him off of here. We don't need him around because he's either some kind of nutcase or he's deluded, but he is here standing before us saying he is God. But John, the gospel writer, knows it's true. John writes his gospel saying Jesus Christ indeed is God himself. I have been with him. I have heard him. I have walked in his footsteps. I have seen him heal people. I have seen many miracles. Yes, indeed, Jesus is God himself. That's the theme of John's entire gospel. He's presenting Jesus Christ as the Lord God. John knew it was true, and he's communicating it to the world. Well, this conversation between the Jewish leaders and Jesus goes on. And he further surprises them, and he further infuriates them by what he says about himself. Again, here's where you start taking notes if you want to. 
But I want you to look at verses 20 and 21. Listen to these words. Remember all these words, if you have a red-letter Bible, all these words are words of Jesus. He speaks them himself. He's speaking about himself. Verse 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Jesus tells these religious leaders, God can raise the dead. God, the word, Old Testament word is quickeneth, as we see it in the King James Version here, and we see it in the Old Testament. He gives them life. He quickens them. And Jesus said, so can I. I can raise the dead because I am God. I can raise up whomever I choose. Now, for centuries, Teachers of the Jewish law said there are three things God can do that no one else can do. There are three keys God has that no one else has. Here they are. The first is this. He can open up the heavens and bring rain. The second key that only God can do, he can open up the womb and bring forth a baby. That's why we stand for life. Amen? And the third thing that God can do and God alone can do is to open up the grave and raise the dead. Three things God can do. And when Jesus said, I can raise the dead, he's implying, I am God himself. And it further infuriates them. It makes them madder and madder. Well, Jesus goes on to another amazing claim about himself. Look at verse 22, John 5, 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So Jesus tells these great religious men that he was equal to God and that he was the one who would execute judgment in the world. Now, to the Orthodox Jew, they believe that only God is judge. In fact, they can refer back to Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, that says, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? In Genesis, judge is capitalized. There's only one judge, God Almighty. And Jesus says, I am he in this passage. So here's this man standing before these religious leaders, and he says, I am that judge. You stand before me today, but one day you will kneel before me as your judge. Made them mad, infuriated them. He continues. He goes on stoking the fire here. And he's making these religious leaders angry, but he says this. Look at verse 23. That all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. We honor God. We worship God. We follow God. We read God's word. We lift him up in power. And Jesus looks at his opponents in the eye and he says... I deserve the same honor that you're giving to God Almighty because I'm the Savior. If you don't honor me, you cannot honor God. You can't honor God and leave Jesus out. Now, this is the raw truth about who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is the Lord of life. He will be the judge of all the world, and he deserves the honor today because one day all of us will be on our knees before him. That's what 
Scripture teaches us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God. And that's exactly what he is saying here. Well, the Jewish leaders hated his words. They hated the fact that he claimed to be God. Well, truthfully, in general, this lost world hates these words too. Not much has changed in humanity. The Jewish leaders hated the words that Jesus was speaking to them. And our world hates these words as well, the world that is unsaved. In general, the world today doesn't want to hear what I'm telling you right now. But Jesus deserves the honor and the glory and the worship from every single person. Eternity hangs on what every person decides about Jesus Christ. Every person of every nation of every color, eternity hangs on their decision for Jesus. He alone is Savior. No one will come to God by sidestepping Jesus. You cannot get to God without going through Jesus Christ, who is God. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what we proclaim as the church of Jesus Christ. You cannot get to God by sidestepping Jesus. It's so important that we know He is the Savior. Now, that word was offensive to the Jews of his day. It's still offensive to the Orthodox Jew of today. It is offensive to the person today who is self-centered and selfish and says, I can live my life on my own. I can make my own decisions. I don't need a Savior. I was born good the first time. I really don't need a Savior in my life. I don't need to surrender to anybody else. I'm living my own selfish life. They don't want to hear the fact that they need to come to God through Jesus Christ. Today we know the words about Jesus still offends Jehovah's Witnesses. This word about Jesus Christ still offends the Mormons. This word about Jesus Christ offends the Muslims. This word about Jesus Christ offends New Age thought, that we can be our own God. This word offends Islam. This word offends the Dalai Lama. There are many people in this world who do not believe that Jesus is God. And that you need to come to God through him. But it is the truth. It is the truth I'm teaching you this morning. Because it's coming directly from the word. This is not my thought. This is not something I cooked up. This is from the word of God. And it's the truth. So when Jesus says, I can raise the dead, he truly meant it. It's the central truth of the Bible when Jesus says, I am God. All of the Bible revolves around those three words, I am God. Now as we get to John chapter 5 verses 24 through 29, you'll notice that these verses begin with verily, verily. Verses 24 and 25 begin with verily, verily. That's a red flag. Do you remember from prior sermons? It means what Jesus is going to say after he says verily, verily, is extremely important. Don't miss it. So look at verses 24 and 25. What Jesus is going to describe in these next verses are four resurrections. I don't want you to miss them. He's going to describe four separate kinds of resurrection. Look at verses 24 and 25. Here's the first resurrection he describes. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Okay, listen. First resurrection. When a person is lost in sin, 
he or she is dead. They're not dying. The Bible describes a person lost in sin as dead. They're spiritually dead. They're eternally dead at that moment. They're lost. They're away from Jesus as Lord and Savior. According to the Bible, lost people, people without Jesus, are not dying. They're dead. They're walking corpses in the skin of sin. That's the description of a lost person. A walking corpse in the skin of sin. But in the moment a lost person comes to Jesus Christ and says, Lord, I am a sinner. I know that I have done things against you and against your will. But I believe, Lord, that Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood that I might be forgiven. He took my place of punishment and he died for me. And on the third day he rose for me from the grave that I might have eternal life. I believe in your death that it paid my price. I believe in your resurrection, that I can live eternally. I surrender my heart to you. The moment a lost person says that, they are resurrected to a new life of forgiveness and eternity. The first resurrection is the resurrection of a lost person coming to Christ as Lord and Savior because they go from death to life. They go from hell to heaven. They go from guilt to forgiveness. They go to wandering around in life to a life with purpose. It's the first resurrection from lostness to being saved. Second resurrection that Jesus talks about describes his own resurrection from the grave. Look at verse 26. 526. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. What Jesus is saying here is the grave will not hold me. After the cross, the God the Father will raise me to life again. I will be resurrected from the grave, and life is in me. I want to give you life through the resurrection of my own grave. So we don't worship a dead Savior, amen? We worship a living Savior. He is here with us, among us today. That's the second resurrection he talks about, his own resurrection. Third resurrection he talks about here in this passage is in verses 28 and the first part of 29. Look at those verses. Jesus says, marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. Now, as we think about that, as we hear these words, this third resurrection applies to every saved person. The day is coming in our future. And if Jesus tarries in coming for his church, every one of us will have our own gravesite. Some form or the other, all of us will have a gravesite. Now, if Jesus comes back for his church and for his people, it could be this morning, it could be uh, later on in this day, it could be any time in the future. But if he tarries and we come to our own gravesite, one day we will be raised from our graves as believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we will share eternity in heaven But we're going to be bodily raised. We are not going to be disembodied spirits that are just floating around in a a gray mist. That's not at all what the Bible says about believers. But rather, you and I and every child of God will have a glorified, new, perfect body suited for eternity. I believe that when God created Adam and Eve before they sinned, they had that kind of body. They were created to live eternally until they fell into sin. I believe we'll have that same kind of body suited for eternity in heaven. When Jesus returns for us, the dead in Christ will rise up 
And I want you to know God is not going to patch together these old temporary bodies that fall into illness and bad health and this week for me, another year of old age won't happen anymore. But rather, the Bible teaches us that we're going to receive a new body that is suited for eternity and for heaven and for perfection. Now, personally, I do believe that we will recognize each other in heaven. I believe that our perfect resurrection body will be somewhat similar to our earthly body. I think I'll know you. I think you'll know me. As we look, the, the best reference I can give you is how Jesus was recognized after his resurrection from the grave. He was different, but in some respects he was the same, and they recognized him as the Savior. We'll have that same kind of body. Do we understand it all at this point? Well, no. I can't tell you all about the resurrection body, but I promise you this, it's going to be infinitely better than what we have right now. <laughs> and praise God. Finally, the fourth resurrection is a sad resurrection. Look at the last part of 29, verse 29. As we see here, it says, For they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, that's to say. But let me say this. When Jesus said, they that have done good, that doesn't mean that you lived a moral life. Doesn't mean that you sat on a church pew. Doesn't mean that you gave away your vegetables in the summertime or that you are a nice person. That's not what he's saying. Those who have done good are the ones who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Those who surrendered their life to him. That's the best action of life. To surrender your life to Jesus, the saved. But look at the end of the verse. The fourth resurrection is covered at the end of the verse. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Lost people. What is the most evil act you can do in life? What is the unforgivable sin? Rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Rejecting the Spirit of God to come to live into your heart and in your life. That's the most evil act of all humanity. It's the unforgivable sin to reject Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lost people, Christ rejectors. Some theologians have said, well... Those who are lost will simply disseminate and dissipate into space and they will fade away and be gone forever. The lost will never be seen again. That is not what the Bible says about the lost. But rather, according to the Word of God, the lost also are not going to be going to some saloon in hell and sit and drink beer and play cards. Many people think that way. It's not true. According to the Word of God, the lost are going to be resurrected from the grave, just like the saved. The lost will be resurrected out of the grave as well. They will literally stand before Jesus Christ, not in joy, but in judgment. It's absolutely true that believers' resurrection bodies will never die in heaven, but it is also equally absolutely true that the lost person's resurrection body will never die in hell. Did you get that? We will never die in heaven, and the resurrected person who is lost will never die in hell. That's what the Bible tells us. It's a sobering truth. Millions of people are one heartbeat away from being lost forever, living in hell forever. Certainly, wicked, cursing, murdering people are going to be judged, but I want to tell you this. 
according to the word of God. This is not my invention. This is the word. According to this word, lawful people and nice people and people who are moral will go to hell because they said, I've always known I've needed to make a decision for Christ, but I think I'll put it off one more day. I think I'll put it off until I feel better about myself. I think I'll put it off until I become a biblical scholar. I think I'll put it off until I sow all my wild seeds. I think I'll put it off just one more day. I'll procrastinate one more day, and the days run out, and death comes, and they never make a decision. Nice, good, lawful people never made a decision for Christ. Death overtakes them. They're just as lost as a murderer. They're just as hell-bound as the most evil person on earth. If, de- if death overtakes them, nice people without Jesus will be judged to hell. Now, some might disagree with me. Bring your Bible and show me where it says that. But I can tell you, save your time because it's not there. Whoever does not come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, no matter what their life was like, if they did not come to Jesus, if they rejected him, they will go to hell. That's the word of God as plainly as I can state it, as I have studied it, and it's right here. Now's the time, church, for us to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people in our families, people in our circle of friends, people in our classrooms, people in our workplaces, people we've known most of our life, and they've never made a decision for Jesus. And no matter how good or how bad they are, they're one heartbeat away from judgment to hell. What Jesus says here is condemnation to damnation. One heartbeat is all it will take to take them to that place. Church, if there's ever a time to be busy with the gospel in this world, it is now. It is today. It is this week You know, we're not this little holy huddle that we just come here and we study the Word of God and then we go out into the world and do whatever we want to do. Rather, the Bible teaches us that our purpose is that we come to this holy huddle and we study the Word of God and we get impassioned and fired up with the gospel that we take it to live it in the world this week. Because there are dying people who need to see Jesus Christ and He is seen through us. You know, the old saying is, you might be the only Bible someone reads. That is absolutely true. We need to be a witness, and we need to be an active witness in this world this week. We need to be an active witness at our dinner tables with our little ones, our grandchildren, our children sitting there. We need to be a witness to them. So today, I know I have given you a blast of undiluted truth from the Word, but here's here's the, boiling it all down, here's the point. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus will be the judge. Jesus has control. And one day every knee will bow and one day every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. But for many it will be too late for a U-turn or a do-over. And they will live in hell forever. Praise God, brothers and sisters. The good news is we know we're heaven-bound through Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. If I were to die this moment, 
If I were to slump behind this pulpit, you can say, well, he went home. Pick me up, drag me out, he went home. But there's a reason God allows me to live today. And if he sees fit tomorrow, maybe a few more days. And that is to be a witness for him. I'm going to heaven. But I need to take a busload with me. Amen. I need to take a busload with me. So do you. So do you. So do we. That's why we're here today. To be built up as a witness for Christ. Church, God bless us as we witness for him this week. And today, if you've never said, I surrender my heart to Jesus as my Lord, I believe that he died on the cross to forgive my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave to give me life. I've never said it. I've never confessed it. I've never been to an altar. I've never given him my heart. Today is the day to change eternity. Today is the day to make that decision. If you're streaming with us today and you've never made that decision, make it where you are. Give him your heart. And allow him to save you and love you and promise you heaven. What good news that is. I pray not one of us will turn it away or procrastinate it to another day. Do it today. Do it now. As we close this service, we're going to meet the great physician right here. If there's a need for a healing in your heart, especially that healing of sin, you come. If there's some other need for healing you need to bring to the Lord, come. Pastor Jeffrey and I are right here in the front. Whatever our need, the Lord God is bigger than our needs. And praise God that he is the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father God, I know there was a lot in this sermon today. There's a lot in what Jesus said in just these few verses. But Lord, the culmination of it all is that Jesus is God. A lot of the world doesn't want to hear that, but we know it is absolutely true. There's no way to come to God the Father but through Jesus Christ the Son. We can never step around Jesus and get to God. That is the truth of this word, and it is through and through within the Bible. I pray this day, Father, that we who are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, we celebrate the truth that we know Jesus as our Savior. We know Him as our God, and we want to follow Him, and we look forward to that day we will live with Him forever. But I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters and myself here today, that we will leave here with a passion to share that good news that we have with someone who doesn't have it yet. Help us to be the Bible someone reads. Help us to be the witness someone sees. Help them to see something in us, Lord, just by the way that we live and communicate that makes them thirsty and hungry for the gospel. Give us the opportunity to speak your name this week. If there's one, Lord, who has heard this message, and needs Jesus as Savior. He or she can come wherever they are and just say, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross to forgive my sin, rose from the grave to give me life. I surrender my life to you. Everything I have is yours. I want you as my Savior. May they come to you. Whatever the decision, bless us now in this important moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.